This time on No Not the Mind Probe, episode 30, Statue of Limitations. Welcome to No, not the Mind Probe. That's like you're angry, huh. and oh. the Mind Probe comes in, and you're like, oh, the what... Mind Probe. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a podcast. Sure. Uh, sure. Why not? Uh, where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. That sounds like a worthy endeavor. Uh, my name is John Grant. I'm, uh, John Grant, one one vaccine down, just FYI. Just going to get that in there, working that in to the thing. You may be able to to, to get a, a vaccinated vibe from my, my voice work tonight. Yeah. Uh, I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan, and that life is going to go on longer because I'm vaxxed. Um, so I've been watching for 36 years so far. Um, yeah. Yeah, my name is Porter Mason. I'm I'm a two vaxer. I'm 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 ready. I'm ready. To just like <laughs> like Godzilla versus Kong came out, but I'm like I got two vaxes. I'm like I'll take them on. Throw me in the mix. I yeah. let's, let's put go. me in there. Let's go. You're back. Uh, John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 26 years, and I finally said yes. I realize our big opening where we say a podcast where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. Um, if if that has implied to you that in any one and that in every one of these episodes you'll somehow we will watch the shows yeah. and all of them in one episode and rank them all in one episode we will not do that we in fact we don't watch the show on the episode at all no the introduction is a lie it's we a talk total, about it it later. is a complete lie the introduction actually um, i guess here's the point where we clear it up i say each episode will look at two stories we're going through the new doctor who series in order and our doctor who sommelier john pairs that new story with a classic story so john what do we have in store for this episode well this episode's a big one this is the one everybody's been waiting for i think the fans are anticipating mm. how will porter react to blink blink <laughs> the big 10th doctor <laughs> uh season three just stephen moffat's masterpiece or one of them uh so yes the doctor and martha um appear Vaguely, once or twice in Blink, uh, and, <laughs> then, um, uh, and then we have paired that uh, with the Living Statue Fest, uh, that's what we're going for here, uh, with Silver Nemesis, um, the 25th anniversary, shall we say, extravaganza? Let's call it an extravaganza. <laughs> um, there's there not was, much ganza. There was silver there. There's a little ganza, maybe <laughs> not an extravaganza. Um, uh, yeah, the Seventh Doctor Ace uh, story from yeah. season 25. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna recap these episodes. We're gonna get right into it, John. We're not gonna just stop dilly dallying yeah, around. around and let's yeah, just go. Yeah, because yeah, John suggested, "Hey, I'm gonna mention the episodes, and then why don't we just go take a walk around the block and just let let you know let the microphones <laughs> run while we do it?" I was like, no, let's just we gotta go. On, let's just people, people have got places to be. These are busy. These this is going out on a Monday, so people so, have got commutes. They've that's got, right. That's get right. Their week started, so we need to get to this fast. So look, this is season three now of the new show. This is episode 10 of that season. It aired uh, the 9th of June, 2007. As you Amen. mentioned, this is a, a Dr. Light episode. Um, and this is, I guess, we're nearing the end of the season now. So yeah. we're going to build up. But this is sort of a little bit of a calm before the storm where Every we don't really week. advance anything about the Dr. and Martha in this Every episode. Take a chill pill and just relax. Here's here's an Oscar winner we're just throwing at you. Or Oscar nominee <laughs> or something. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk more about her. But uh, okay, but we do have a little clip. Yeah. 
from Blink. Here we go. Doctor! 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 Hello. Sorry. Bit of a rush. There's a sort of thing happening. Very important that we stop it. My God, it's you. It really is you. Oh, you don't remember me, do you? Doctor, we haven't got time for this migration started. Look, sorry, I've got a, a bit of a complex life. Things don't always happen to me in quite the right order. It's a bit confusing at times. Especially at weddings. I'm rubbish at weddings. Especially my own. Oh my god, of course. You're a time traveller. It hasn't happened to you yet, none of it. It's still in your future. What has not happened? No, Doctor, please! 20 minutes spread hatching! It's me. Oh, for God's sake, it was me all along. You got it all from me. Got what? Okay, listen. One day you're going to get stuck in 1969. Make sure you've got this with you. You're going to need it. Doctor! Yeah, listen, listen. Got a dash. Things happening. Well, four things. Well, four things and a lizard. Okay. No worries. On you go. See you around someday. What was your name? Sally Sparrow. Good to meet you, Sally Sparrow. I like how we opened by saying the Doctor and Martha aren't in this much, and so our clip is: Why don't we just give you the entire period <laughs> that the Doctor and Martha are in it? Well, the Doctor's actually in this episode um, well, more than that. Hey, there's some recordings, but no. What I love, I love that scene because what I love is the the what it must look like to encounter the doctor mid-adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, four things. Well, four things in a lizard or whatever. And it's just like, it's like, oh, like this is what it appears to be like from the outside. I think it's just wonderful. Well, also to the doctor, just this idea of as he's tromping around, people are like, hey, you, the doctor. He's like, oh, yeah, I probably sure. met you in the future or past or I don't know, you know. <laughs> Which is kind of how I react when I meet. I don't remember anyone I ever meet. <laughs> so people are always like, hey, and I'm like, hey, you, I remember you. Like, I met you at thing. George's wedding. You're like, oh, oh, who is George? I went to a wedding? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so well, let's talk about this. So uh, the young woman we just heard, Sally Sparrow, who, as we mentioned, is played by Oscar, perhaps winner, but definitely mm. nominee, mm. Carrie Mulligan. She was a uh, uh, nominee for, uh, what's it called? An Education. And uh, then she's nominated this year for a movie whose name escapes me, uh, A Promising Young Woman. Hmm. So she's Police quite an actress. Six, I think. And Police, this is... Police Academy um, 6, I think. Yeah, yeah what's going to be what? <laughs> she's nominated for Police Academy 6. I think that's the <laughs> yes, newest no. Police Academy. Well, she wasn't nominated for Police Academy 3 Citizens on Patrol, which was just a real, I mean... The problem is they didn't campaign hard enough for her. And then so Michael Winslow swept everything. Yeah, (laughs) obviously. Uh, So young Sally Sparrow, which, by the way, got to say right off the bat, great name. Uh, I am aware of a baby who's named Brooklyn Ferrari. That's a great name, too. (laughs) So I just wanted (laughs) to mention. How long have you had that one in the chamber? (laughs) I'm just aware of this baby, and I want to tell you this baby's name. Is it someone you Uh, know, or are you just generally aware of this baby in the ether? I know them in a tertiary way yeah the baby yeah. the baby's <laughs> reputation <laughs> is it a, a boy or a girl baby or do we decide genders anymore I believe it's a girl although well that's an interesting point uh, my daughters have three genders which is they refer to people as girls boys or girl boys oh. and I'm, I'm never quite delved into what entails a girl boy but they have stuffies uh you know stuffed animals who are 
it's unclear where their gender is. And some of them are, they've determined are girl boys. I'm not sure where that falls on sort of the trans spectrum, but it's somewhere in there. Well, and I have you, no idea. Raising non, raising kids who recognize non-binary genders. And props to you. I'm going to, I'll mail you a gold star. Well, to be clear, I've done nothing. Oh, here's the only thing I've done is just not smack them and say, no. <laughs> but, but they Does came this to... bear have a penis or not? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, well, anyway, that's about- that's oh, Blink. Right. So uh, that's Blink. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. So Sally Sparrow, young uh, Carrie Mulligan playing Sally Sparrow. She's in this sort of haunted mansion with all these statues. More to come on them Ooh, uh, all around them. Stay tuned. Brothers. And she, the 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 opener for the show, she's peeling back wallpaper, and there's things written on the wall that are, appear to be not just directly written to her but are instructions for this current moment. And yet they're written under the wallpaper that she's seeing, but she doesn't kind of really lock into it until uh, the, the writing tells her to duck three times and says, seriously duck right now. And, and she does. And in fact, then uh, something misses hitting her. Uh, so she recognizes that this is a real thing. So I, it's unclear to me why she was at this creepy mansion, but, but she's there. That's from the very beginning. Oh, and the, and the doctor is implicated at the beginning. He signed, he signed to the messages saying the doctor wrote these messages to her. So she goes back and talks to her friend. Also great name, Kathy Nightingale. Great name. Mm, all birds, birds, left, right, and center. And she says, Kathy, come back and help me explore this mansion. Creepy stuff is going on. Let's go back there. <laughs> um, um, and Kathy goes with her and that time a couple things happen. One, a man shows up and knocks on the door. She goes down. Like a, and, does he not look like a young Daniel Craig? He looks like a, yeah. a sort of young, slightly skinnier Daniel Craig. Right, right, right. right. Before he's bulked up. Yeah, yeah. Prepubescent Daniel Craig. <laughs> well, he has a letter for her. He says, are you Sally Sparrow? And uh, so she's sort of dealing with this she's of like, oh, how is this happening? Uh, that he and, and he's very insistent like I've been told I've been waiting a very long time I have to give you this letter at this exact moment this is what I need to give you in the meantime Kathy's upstairs and she gets closer to one of these statues particularly this one that's a weeping angel and we see her blink out of existence she she goes away and um, we find out that she is time traveled back about uh couple hundred years or um, 19 years. 1920 or something like that wasn't it, wasn't it? oh no to, okay you're right you're hold. right yeah yeah 60 hold. 70 years and we, we don't see much of her there we see a little bit of her there just kind of starting to understand like she is in disbelief about what's happening uh, sally goes up can't find her is obviously uh freaking out then eventually reads the letter that's been handed her and the letter is written to her by kathy from the past so she's she's understanding that kathy has has been has somehow gone back in the past and just sort of explained to her what happened so uh she's then trying to figure out what to do next she goes to the cops uh meets a guy there who uh basically once she mentions that she was at this mansion it seems like the cop has have cops have an ongoing investigation about this mansion going on because a lot of people have shown up missing around there have sort of they find their cars there around the mansion and they mm. never see them again. Mm. Um, we find uh, the 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 cops officer. all flirty too. Very flirty. Cops very flirty. And has a great. I love. I, I. I mean, I'm. You know, if I could dump Mike just so I could use this line. Uh, I love the uh, asks her out or whatever. She's like, "You're very bold," and he's like, "It's like why?" And he's like, "Because life is short and you are hot." And I was like, "Oh, that's that's yeah. a good line." 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then he's, he's killed by an angel. But uh, that's a detective <laughs> investigator, Billy Shipton. Billy Shipton. Yeah. So, right. And and he shows her last thing I want to say before we move on to that part, because, yes, he gets abducted. And then the interesting another little time travel bit there. He shows her the TARDIS. It's like, oh, and this was here. This is the weirdest thing we found here is is this strange. Which she uh, has the key for. Remember, she got the key from the yes. angel. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. We missed that. The key is in the angel. Um, and uh, as you can imagine, as we're reciting this, this is uh, which meant we, we will mention this is a Stephen Moffat tale. And I think what he does a great job of with these new Doctor Who's is that he makes they're not complicated plots. They're clever plots, which uh, with actually not a lot of moving pieces, but all the moving pieces are very clever and they yeah. fit together in a cool way. Yeah. So like you can watch it as like an idiot, <laughs> you know, like me and be like. I'm really putting this puzzle together. Like it doesn't. It's not so hard to comprehend, but everything fits together in a cool way. Yeah. And this certainly is one of those uh, because of particularly the time travel pieces. So the cop then disappeared. The cop asked her out on a date. You mentioned it's very flirty. He doesn't meet her, and then uh, or uh, and then he she gets a call from him, and she goes to to meet him, and it's actually him now aged again about sixty years. Yeah. Um, or not actually not as much 30, 40 years because, uh, he gets sent back to the 1960s, which is the only other time we see the doctor and Martha, he gets sent to the 1960s and the doctor and Martha are there. You've got a little detector. Yeah. And stuck and tell him, here's what you need to do. You need to contact her again, um, in 2007, I guess, I guess it's modern time, uh, as of the episode. And so he's aged and he's about to die in fact he's been told that you're going to meet her again on the night you die yeah it's and, such a beautiful scene it makes me cry every time and i've seen this many episodes with that scene me i have to the rain stops it's like ah it's a, such a great scene <laughs> it's great and he he does it very well and i think what's great about it is that he's dying he's he's lived this whole life he's very happy it's, yeah. what's really interesting about both these is that and you know the weeping angels are this you know, and the weeping angels are are these. I guess they're aliens, but they they are these statues that we'll we'll talk about. But scary, uh, you know, they're evil and bad, and they're sending people back in time. The people who get sent back in time live full, rich lives. Every scary, great life, yeah, have a great life. The kind, he, yeah. he a great life. He's like, yes, you live your life to death. Is a great line from the doctor. Zero points left with a three. <laughs> okay, this is a breaking news Looking into the podcast. Uh, two weeks ahead for those Alabama, of you two weeks ahead. <laughs> Uh, breaking news two weeks from now. Right. No problem. Breaking news from from Mrs. Probe that uh, uh, two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago in one day, uh, Alabama has tied with a three uh, with zero seconds on the clock. So, so more so, to come on that. Yeah. So, Probers, Probers, don't use your time travel to bet on this game. If you <laughs> time Probers, great. We have, we have a little time travel here. Yeah, uh, Mrs. Yeah. Probe, unaware of our our recording schedule. <laughs> okay. So, so at this point she knows she's pretty invested that, that the, the time travel that's happening is real. She goes back to see, uh, Kathy's brother who she met one time before in the apartment, naked, uh, notably naked. when he was walking around the house naked and, yeah. and, and she saw him, he comes out, he works at a video shop, a DVD store. How is that yeah. for kids? Kids. Oh gosh. Yeah. Back in the day. You used to have to go to a place to get your DVDs. 
And it was uh, a big social event. We were just talking about going to Blockbuster like yeah. once a night, every Friday night. Friday you would night, go to Blockbuster. The family would go. Everyone would get to like pick, you know. Yeah, and you had to get there early because if you did, because you get just crap movies. If you were there late, you were in the cult section, uh, you know, trying to pick out some movie that had been. <laughs> and I have <laughs> no to say this because see. here's the thing that I think people don't get about this growing up. It was certainly less convenient, but scrolling, we still do the same thing. We scroll Netflix forever until we pick something. And it was actually just nicer to do like in person walking around. Like scrolling Netflix was much more enjoyable when you were walking around the space to do it. Um, so more inconvenient, but I actually thought that was a nice like part. I'd rather have that activity done like in person somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and if you wanted porn, you had to go through like a little beaded curtain. curtain. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then pretend you're like, oh, I thought this was this was the European art film <laughs> section. <laughs> I, I I you know I never. I, I can say I never delved into that section, but I always saw it and was just sort of marveled at like, wow, what would I ever have the courage to just be like, yeah, I'm going to go get some of that porn. Is it over there? Yeah, I'll go there. There, there it is. I was like, wow, that, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed by you, sweaty guy who's coming out of there with that porn. Well, anyway, so she's she's pretty it's it's proven to her that time travel is happening. She goes to see the brother. She basically goes to see the brother because the sister uh, who's gone away says, you, you know, you need to tell my brother yeah, what's like, happened. She, she doesn't really doesn't, give her much. Yeah. She's like, uh, go she's tell him. On vacation. Like, tell yeah. him yeah. what? Yeah, right. She says he, she went on vacation. Well, while she's there, she's she notices um, she remembers these videos that the brother had had when she had stayed over the night before with the sister and these are videos of the doctor we know seeing it this is this is uh, david Tennant. well when she goes to the video store he's back there and he's sort of uh, writing transcripts of all of them and she explains well here's what these are these are have been written in a bunch of dvd extras as easter eggs not the same dvds not the same series just a bunch of different dvds these are written in his dvd extras this guy talking and there's only one end of a conversation and again kids do you know what Easter eggs? Are? I feel like the, the DVD moment oh, right. was actually quite brief. If you That's think about cool. it, pretty cool, right? I mean, there was you got a DVD, and the cool uh, you don't get them now is commentaries. Remember, we had all every the thing to get the DVD was less the movie, which was fine. Well, so but what it was happened, the commentaries? People talking over the movie, and that what was happened cool. was what like, happened. Is, what happened <laughs> is that uh, DVDs came out. Beforehand, we'd had the we'd had video cassettes mm -hmm. at home, yeah. and it was everything we could do to get a movie onto a video cassette. So that's all you had. You might have had previews at the beginning. It took like a it. nuclear power plant to get it on there. It was just a lot of work. When yeah, when <laughs> DVDs came out, basically a movie, but they they were made for for computers really, and the storage was such that you could fit a movie on it, and then it was like, oh yeah, you could put like ten movies on here. But the company's right. Well, we don't want to put 10 movies <laughs> on there because we want to sell them a disc for each movie. And then so I, I feel like there were people in Hollywood, just like nerds in Hollywood, who were like, we have all this other footage. <laughs> it was like, our time is now. <laughs> they just like put all this stuff onto DVDs that I don't think anyone ever saw before then, Did unless you had like a laser disc player, which yeah. no one had. Like, no one had a laser disc the comment, player. So, so Doctor Who, uh, the I still working off these as the Blu-rays come out. But yeah, um, they had all these. Uh, this was, they had commentaries and uh, documentaries and extras and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you learned a ton. Of, but but Doctor Who DVDs had tons of Easter eggs. It, um, you know, secret little comedy skits right. or commercials or other things that you had to and you just had to you took the remote control and you would go to a, a menu and then you would 
click buttons that didn't appear to that wouldn't appear to work. Like you click, like the menu would be up down, and you'd click left right on every one, and every once in a while, suddenly it would go left, and you weren't expecting it. That was an Easter egg. Yeah, yeah, and and they actually uh, what celebrate website. the death of Christ. That, that was <laughs> why. That was why they were put on there. These DVDs were very Christian, folks. That's right. Uh, some websites still have Easter eggs, by the way, Whoa. which is interesting. Um, so, okay. So, so she sees that. She actually doesn't connect that to herself yet. But um, then when she is talking to the investigator on his deathbed, she mentions that he he says, I put those in there. And she does notice one time when she like, just reacts to the video, bit. the doctor's responses fit into what she's saying. Okay. So... Sorry, this has been taking a long time. It's, it's an interesting episode, right? So that's why we're taking a long time. It, it's a complicated but, episode. But but basically, here's it. Once this all comes together, then it kind of ends in a more standard way, which is so. What we find out is that the doctor has recorded these responses to be the other side of a conversation with Sally. Uh, they sit down with the DVDs and go through it, and she just talks freely, and the doctor's responses fit up with them. Uh, the brother, uh, he should, he has a name here. I don't know. Why I don't, I don't actually name. remember the name either, to be honest. And I end up getting married. Oh, Larry, Larry, Larry. Oh, he, yeah. that, that's a great name for him. Larry is like that guy. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Larry, while she's having the conversation with him, and this is where you get into time travel things of like, how is that? I don't under, which is she has the conversation with the DVDs. How does the doctor know what her side of the conversation is it's because larry's taking the transcript of her having the conversation which she couldn't have had until the doctor filmed the the extras so uh that's you know but hey time travel it's fun it's interesting um paradox so so anyway the doctor tells her that it's the the statues are the key here when you see these statues particularly of uh the weeping angel it is an alien species and uh the rules and then basically the rules are set up and then they go off and defeat them the rules are that you can't look at the statues if you look at the statues that that's why that's when they become statues they're quantum uh, locked there it's like an opposite Medusa, them. Yeah. uh thing where the statues themselves can't be looked at and um and that's it and so, and then and he says you know you have the key uh to the tardis you got to go in there and and jump start <laughs> gotta get, get her, put some uh, clips on there and get her going um so they head back to the mansion where the tardis is and then it becomes like a little mini horror movie because it is this thing of uh, don't blink and that's where the title of the episode comes from which is uh you know you have to you can move around freely they are just statues and that's what i think is very clever and it makes it a very good doctor who story is it's scary and there are monsters, but the monsters can be done with really very little special effects because you can never see the monsters move because if you ever look at them, they're statues, they're not moving. Yeah, exactly. So they, she and Larry go into the house and they, they, they actually knowing what they know about the monsters could kind of go in with a better plan, um, which is, you know, like, Hey, let's always be looking around. Well, it's certainly not split up, which if they, it's a horror movie. So of course they do, but like, um, and they they go down into the the basement, of course, too, which is great. Um, and then the the monsters actually turn the light off, so it becomes scary because you see them in flashes of light. At any rate, they get into the TARDIS, and uh, what what the Doctor's plan has sort of been is to actually he wants the monsters to get close to them and surround the TARDIS, so that when they get in the TARDIS and 
you know, flip the switch that he's asking them to do. What happens is, and this I'd not seen before, that the TARDIS transports without them so leaving yeah, them behind which behind. is interesting but what that effectively does is well they're scared because they're like oh my god no we're going to be left here to be killed by the monsters but what he's done is the monsters were all around the tardis so that when the tardis goes away they're all looking at one another and so they are um yeah. they're statues forever they're now because they're always looking at one another and then um and then Basically, they move on. Sally and Larry, we see, end up kind of having a relationship. They're a DVD um, star, so they're doomed. Like, <laughs> yes, like, that's actually true. They're in trouble. <laughs> a DVD store in 2007, so it's like, it's yeah. not Ooh. long here. Um, well there, Sally. Because, like, first Netflix is going to happen. And, oh, guys, we should mention, Netflix used to be just this place where you pe- they mailed you DVDs you every week. You could just get that them in the mail. Thing. Other people's DVDs, it was basically they just cut out. Instead of going locally to get your DVDs, they would send you your DVDs from thousands of miles away. Somehow yeah. that was better. Somehow they're like, what if yeah. instead of getting them nearby, <laughs> we sent them over the inefficient post? Well, and to my point, current Netflix more fully recreates the blockbuster night thing, which is you go, you look at the thing, you scroll through. What are we going to watch? Oh, any, this is our conversation. Right what do you want to watch? I'll watch anything. How about this? No, not mm. that. <laughs> and then you, <laughs> you go through that for like 15 times. That that era of Netflix was a whole different paradigm because you had to ahead of time. Yeah decide what you wanted to watch and put it on a list and yeah. then and, and then that was what you got mailed them in the order that you got them yeah so that was a, I, I used to i used to love that sometimes it, like so let's say you let's say you were like i'd really like to watch boston legal season one and you'd request boston legal season one but sometimes you get boston legal season one disc two before you got <laughs> right, <disc> right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to and then sometimes you you could you what you'd have up to two discs sometimes i forget what it was no you could pay fancy. for a plan to have more i don't i don't know like yeah you but could, you would get a set of discs you could have a certain number and you would only get one bag when you returned ones you had and you would occasionally get like one dud that you'd just be like oh, i need to watch this one and you just wouldn't watch it and you just keep hanging on it and send others back and be like i really want to watch this one but i just don't really you know what's so fascinating is about all these little moments are and because these are things that you do often they're a big part of your life and but this was a big part of our lives for like two and a half years yeah, it's not long <laughs> and then video stores were a little bit longer i i guess that, that was probably about 10 years 15 years but not that long all things considered i wonder how long streaming as as it is which has been going for about i don't know four or five years we've really kind of been doing this sure yeah, yeah um i don't know how long this will last well anyway um Backstar. they run a dve store so they're about to the global financial crisis <laughs> is about to hit them pretty hard uh, and it's also not even a chain like yeah, actually maybe like that's why they'll survive right? Because yeah. they're not like yeah. they're like a used bookstore of DVD stores. Yeah, like you know, Mitt Romney won't come in and like liquidate them, uh, <laughs> right? That's he did that, right? Mitt, yeah, yeah, Mitt Romney just went around everywhere and yep, liquidated. I think that was his thing. Yeah, my understanding. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, but she. It sounds like their relationship has actually hit a wall because she's been. Obs- what I love about this is she's obsessed with her own story. And she's like, this doesn't make sense. How would he have the transcripts? If we have them somehow they have to get to him. And then, so she runs into the doctor one day on the street and she's like, Oh, I give them to you. Okay. Okay. okay now I can have sex with my boyfriend. 
Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so that's that. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's Blink. So we went through that in, in, in great detail. But it was it was a really cool episode. So we want it to is. It, it hangs together very well. It's it's uh, this is another Stephen Moffat. Um, this was actually supposed to be, I think, in season two. Um, but got pushed for whatever reason. Um, it is another Dr. Light episode. It's a Dr. Light episode. However, that really works. I mean, if you think about the last Dr. Light episode was Love and Monsters, really a big quality improvement, uh, a leap here. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is very much Stephen Moffat style. Stephen Moffat loves time travel stories. He loves, uh, we'll see this when he takes over Dr. Who, but, um, Doctor Who is fairy tale. And sort of he, I, you get since he hates to kill characters. Nobody dies. Very few people die in Stephen Moffat's stories. And here, nobody dies. They again live their lives to death, um, <laughs> right. uh, as he says. Um, uh, and I think he. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've never met the man. I, I don't know. Uh, I presume he's a prober, big prober, probably. Stephen, if you if you write in, if you can figure out how to get in touch with us. Actually, Stephen Moffat probably could get in touch with Chris Pratt. So Stephen Moffat, call Chris Pratt to yeah, tell him yeah. to call me. Anyway, um, he clearly, I feel like Stephen Moffat just comes up with ideas. He's like, wouldn't it be cool if someone just ripped wallpaper off a wall and it told them their future? And then he was like, wouldn't it be cool if this, and like, I feel like the, he comes up with these sort of set pieces and then links them and writes a right. story, which I think I, as we see, as we'll see when we get to his seasons, the, I think he's the man's a genius, um, and you'll see it in the way he writes. But like he just he just comes up with these huge ideas, and then somehow comes up with very interesting ways to link them. Um, and he, I think he does that here brilliantly. Um, I think uh, you got to give Carrie Mulligan a ton of credit. I mean, she is basically taking over with David Tennant kind of at the height of his popularity, right? I mean, this this episode is universally loved. Um, and David Tennant, by this point, like Doctor Who is massive. Like he it is, it's in its third season, and he has become like this mega international megastar. And, uh, I would, and she just takes over, and and, every, right. and and you're kind of you part of you is like, well, the Doctor, what's she doing here? But then by the end, you're just like, oh my god, she's amazing. <laughs> it's really can I impressive around that? Like we haven't talked much about this. Um, Obviously, you, like you said, okay, so the Doctor Who, the the reboot or whatever it's called, the, the new Doctor Who yeah. is very popular at this point, And David Tennant in particular is very popular, I would imagine, right? Like yeah. at this point, is was he considered like, I think he's like one of the best doctors. Like were yeah. people talking about it he like was, that? They were doing, you know, because of course every once in a while we do um, major elections, uh, except in Georgia where obviously we can't vote. Uh, right. But we do huge elections to see who is the most popular doctor. And yeah, he was beating Tom Baker. Uh, who had always been sort of the most popular. And, and yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely become a big, he's, he's definitely big. Because um, I bet Eccleston, I bet people were like, this is pretty good. And he's a pretty good doctor. But yeah. I bet a lot of people weren't like, he's the best doctor ever. But I could see people being like, I think even like hardcore fans being like, I think he's the best. Like, I could see that. Yeah, no, it's, um, uh, yeah, he's very popular. He's huge. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, again, you, um, I, I, the Love and Monsters doesn't rate highly, but I, it's a solid episode. I think it's fine and, you know, whatever. And I, I actually don't mind the Dr. Light episodes. But again, to really, to sort of usurp David Tennant and be like, we're just going to put him to the side, um, you have to be good. And, and yeah, Carrie Mulligan is good. You know, I think, I think she should win an Oscar for this. I feel like the <laughs> Academy should just be like, yeah, that whatever you did in this movie, but we recognize you for Blink. Um, the Weeping Angels are new. Uh, so, uh, and the Weeping Angels are, Definitely the first new series monster, the first creation of the new series to become an iconic Doctor Who 
monster. It's certainly something people know about. Um, uh, and uh, I mean, they're great monster. Um, impressively scary, even they're not scared. Right? Again, as you said, like the, the consequences of meeting one is that you live seem to live a happy life in the past, <laughs> like a happy, successful life. Uh, yeah. and you have families and kids and everything. So they they are scary, but they I always felt they could be a little scarier. Like there is sort of a it's like, oh yes, everything will work out for you, I guess. Um and yes, it is sort of a tragic end, I guess, to to be zapped out of the present. But maybe maybe also this partly a commentary in the present where we're like, yeah, that'd be fine. I'd be happy to live in the seventies. <laughs> um, uh, credit here. I got to give credit uh, because obviously people are, are want us to, to recognize everybody involved here. Uh, Hetty McDonald is the director. She directs the hell out of this episode. I mean, it, it is in the direction, well right? Yeah. The, the pace of it is great. Uh, making the angels. I mean, it's just static shots of carvings. Uh, and she makes it, you know, again, gives it some dynamics and scary. She also brilliantly, I think, makes the audience part of the story. They, they don't move when we're looking at them, right? There are scenes where no one is looking at them. Yes. But us. And she's, I think she's making us there. And it's like, oh, well, we're looking at them. They can't move because we're there. Uh, or we're watching them right now. And so you never see an angel move. Because, of course, our eyes are, are also locking them in. I think that's just brilliant. I think she does a, a really amazing job. And that montage at the end, too, with all the statues around, those are brilliantly Doctor Who making the everyday scary. So, yes, uh, props to Hetty McDonald. Yes, great. And, and again, I think with the new Who, there, uh, there are sometimes episodes... There are clearly episodes that have a big... I don't know what the budget was like on this, but there are clearly episodes that have a big budget, and it shows usually, and they, they usually pick it pretty well. They're like, this is a good script. Let's put a budget behind it. And what usually that ends up resulting in is that the ones that don't have a big budget, you can like you can just like feel the sets. You can feel them stuck in certain places. You can feel that like they probably needed a better establishing shot or they needed a better... Uh, crowd shot or whatever and what i think was great about this and maybe this maybe it did have a good budget because they knew moffat was writing the script and it was good yeah, but I mean, it it like you never even though they are in that they they are in the one set for a while which is the the mansion but then they go around london and it just feels like a film like it just yeah. feels like they're just following her around there you're never no, aware of yeah that. there are no big special effect shots um no i think th i actually think i mean the dr light episode i think was supposed to be a little bit cheaper too and yeah i i think um i think that's absolutely right um yeah, and by the way for being dr light resources yeah. you're saying it wasn't in a lot I, you're right i mean obviously less than a regular episode His but i think presence, it's brilliant yeah. Yeah, because, right, his presence is actually there a lot, and it was, but it was a brilliant way to do it, which is like David Tennant just had to sit in a, a green screen studio and just <laughs> film this thing, and then, but then she, wa they watch those things repeatedly, and so you actually, it is very much a Doctor Who story, like, yeah. it, it, it is. Well, and, we should and, move well, on I to the say, classic actually, episode. One more thing I want to say is that it also has, I think, uh, again, something Stephen Moffat does is very much like what kids can do and things like, and like, just thinking about kids watching this and, and kids would find it scary, but also, did you, I did in high school, I definitely did for at least one class presentation, a video of me talking to myself right where you have where you do a video and then you leave the pauses for the scripts in like that's that's another thing that kids could do or people do um even now i do it now is for conversations at dinner i eat dinner <laughs> yeah, that's how we record this podcast <laughs> yeah. actually yeah it's, okay. it works very well i'll let you All go right, now. Let, let's move on to uh, the uh classic <laughs> it's really funny to move on from blink 
and say like that this is the classic episode. But, yeah. I, you know, it's a different. The, the, the on context par. Right I would say means. on par uh, with Blink, right? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is season 25. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Uh, uh, story three. This aired. It's three episodes. Uh, it aired the 23rd of November through the 7th of December Thanksgiving. I mean, yeah. not, you know. The UK could just care less about Thanksgiving. They're just releasing Doctor Who episodes yeah. right in the middle of no, Thanksgiving. No. Uh, 1988, as you mentioned, this is the seventh Doctor and an Ace. We see Ace back here again. Uh, so this must be right around the Curse of Fenric, right? Uh, season before, yep. Season before. Uh, so, yeah. So anyway, we have a clip of this. <laughs> it's coming up now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, the clip. It's gonna happen. It really is. If we're starting there, it's a little teaser. There we go. Doctor Who. Have you never wondered where he came from? Who he is? Nobody knows who the Doctor is. Except me. How? The statue told me. All right. So what does it matter? He's a time lord, I know that. Well, Doctor. If I give you the bow... Your power becomes mine, but your secrets remain your own. It's all over, Ace. My battle. All my battles. I've lost. I can only surrender. Yes. But not to you. The Cybermen will have the nemesis. This is most rational, Doctor. But I know your secrets. Very well, tell them. I shall tell them of Gallifrey. Tell them of the old time. The time of chaos. Be my guest. Your secrets. The secrets of the Time Lords mean nothing to us. Exactly. Thank you for coming to the 20th century and giving me assistance. Thank you for bringing the arrow. You may go now. All right. Mm. Well, it's funny because in the first episode um, in Blink, I mentioned that, you know, we said, well, Doctor Who is hardly in it. And and we showed that one clip. To me, this clip was the most interesting thing in the entire three episodes. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna we're we're going long here. So let me try to go through this quickly. Um, Wikipedia has summarized this pretty well, so I'm gonna try to. Yeah, just you can pretty much blow through this pretty fast. Right, right through here. Seventh Doctor and Ace. They visit England in 1988, where there we start off. It's kind of like a bad joke. What if some Cybermen, some neo Nazis, and a 17th century sorceress were all trying to get? The same it's thing. The original which, odd couple. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all three of them are trying to gain control of this statue, which is made of a, a metal validium, which may you can tell me more about. Mm. Um no. and, and I guess it was created in Gallifrey to defend Gallifrey or something, but it, it's created this living metal and it has three parts. There's the the figure itself, and the figure's holding a bow and an arrow, and the bow and arrow have been separated from the 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 body of it. They have to be brought all together for the statue to be activated. I'm not sure why they want it activated or exactly what is supposed to happen. They all really want to activate it. They they say it's, later it's that a super they get, weapon. Yeah, they get power over life and death. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a very so powerful weapon. That's nice to have. So. <laughs> 
Uh, and in here it says it's been separated since 1638. Uh, and when, uh, I guess, when this this sorceress, Lady Penfort, was trying to seize it, and I guess the doctor at the time was there, yeah. and he Keeping it away from uh, took the figure and sent it off from Earth and, so that it, it all appears to everyone else to be a comet that occasionally passes by Earth. And in fact, it comes by Earth every 25 years, and it seems to leave disasters as it comes by. And the doctor goes through some of them. The last one was the Kennedy assassination before this. And then um, 88, this is happening. Landed right near Windsor Castle. The Queen's running around there with corgis. It's all yeah. um, it's all very it's all very modern. Um, so the doctor and Ace uh, get in the middle. They, they just mix it up <laughs> with all three of these. The neo-Nazis are like a really minor. I, it's sort of weird that they're even there. But um there he he kind of plays them all against one another and eventually this we get to this scene that you heard where he says uh i'm going to actually give this to the cybermen he does give it to the cybermen uh they they are wiped out by the statue and they do they destroy Lady Penford or they just sort of she she send throws her herself into the statue and then for whatever reason is absorbed into it because why not? Right. And then the, yeah. Well, so what was really, so I'm happy to hear more about whatever I missed in the plot. But then this thing that she mentions at the end was interesting because I wanted to know what of what she already said was any kind of revelation um, or does what she said, is that laying anything down for future Seventh Doctor stories where we find out more about what she was hinting at uh, in terms of the doctor's quote unquote secrets? Um, but of, of course, if there's anything else I missed here, but, uh, with the statue, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Well, good night, everybody. <laughs> this is, well, do we learn more about, do we, do, do we no. learn more about this defensive Gallifrey or, or this? No, thing? no. Um, no. Sounds no. interesting. It's sort of like <laughs> they were having this thing about the statue. It was like, well, let me tell you about the statue. A really interesting thing happened before. Yeah. We're not going to see that though. Yeah. So <laughs> so what's going on great. here? Like, why don't we see there's a lot going on so so um this is the 25th season um the show is is waning by this point uh the bbc oddly i mean you know the bbc i guess is tired of a show at its 25th season and so it's sort of like whatever uh no money no budget whatever uh they've got this producer he's been producing since the tom baker era he kind of wants to stop producing but they won't if he they're like if you leave the show's canceled so he's kind of like all right she sticks around uh and yeah he gets in the 25th season he's like hey it's hey everybody the show's been on tv for 25 years that's impressive like we should do something and they're like no we have no budget we will give you no budget uh so he's basically like all right the only thing we can do is in the writing so they they came up with silver nemesis the writing is it's silver it's just like uh it's silver um so uh so he uh so they write this story uh which is written by a guy named kevin clark it's the only doctor who story he ever wrote uh he'd never written one before he never wrote one again um which is kind of interesting to like hey let's take this anniversary story and have it written by someone who's never written doctor who before (laughs) um 
So yeah, so so the only thing that really and and so um so they were like, all right, it's got silver in it, so Cyberman, and um uh we'll we'll make it sort of momentous. And so this is we talked to, I think we've talked about this a little bit before. This is the Cartmel master plan. So Andrew Cartmel is the script editor, kind of the showrunner, the person who's basically running the stories for the show. Uh he's he's only in his mid twenties, which is absurd that he's now running an entire show. Um and uh yeah, he they had come up, he and this writers, he actually I mean the, the show really does a turnaround in these last few seasons and and he does a fantastic job um and he had this sort of pool of writers and they'd kind of come with this idea that the doctor was special he wasn't just any other time lord he was actually sort of uh, some of the interviews have sort of said oh well he's god which is pretty dumb like that doesn't make any sense that god would be wandering around in a phone booth fixing (laughs) but basically that he's he's special and they they developed this in the new adventures the books we talked a little bit about last week but um that he was actually there sort of at the beginning of gallifrey and he was sort of uh, we'll get to these as later but so the major figures in sort of gallifrey early history are rassilon who's sort of the greatest time lord ever omega who's who basically discovered the secret of time travel and then the books establishes character the other uh and the hint is that the other is the doctor um and so he was and and actually an earlier story in the season remembrance of the daleks really goes into this as well uh and probably should have been the anniversary story because it's much better um and it's almost basically the same plot but we'll get to it um uh but yeah so there's a sort of hint that he he's greater than this um but this is really i mean heard that little speech that we just heard that's the most explicit it's ever been really um so it doesn't go anywhere after that not really i mean it does in the rest of the i mean it does into the curse of fenric season uh and it does in the new adventures again hinting that he's sort of greater than than we think he is um and then really never gets mentioned again until the latest season where it's implied the doctor is much more significant to time lord history but i won't i won't give that away oh like the jody whitaker season. yeah um, because what i was gonna say is honestly sounds very familiar to what we've heard all throughout the new series where uh as much as i have heard or know he's a legend time, yeah well, and also that there was this war that like the the time lords and gallifrey are on some kind of front lines and and yeah. like it sort of sounds similar to that i mean I, yeah I well he's always been a hero uh, but yeah it, it's some, there's a bit of a tug of war right there's sort of a, a thing of like well is he like this incredibly special unique character or is he she this just sort of average like some people really like the idea like there's jokes in 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 tom baker gears and stuff about how he was sort of a mediocre student at the academy and like he wasn't that he failed his exams and and people were kind of like oh that's actually kind of a nice thing about him he's not the spectacular thing but yeah so this is it's hinted at here again to try to make it kind of interesting um uh, a couple of, uh, so Fiona Walker uh, is Lady Painford, um, who we actually just saw a couple weeks ago in Keys of Marinus. Uh, she was in the in the court, uh, the trial uh, oh. story. So she's coming back after. And she uh, plays her also her Texas descendant as well. Uh, no, that's Dolores Gray is. Um, oh, they seemed like the, it was the same actress. I yeah. thought that was like a gag. <laughs> no, that's no. so funny. I really thought that was a gag. Oh, uh, no. So Dolores Gray is um, a Tony Award winning Broadway actor. So that, uh, as we've mentioned, um, like like Mark Gatiss, the producer at this time was gay. Um, so just gayness everywhere. So, uh, but he loved uh, uh, theater and theater actresses, and so he he brought in this actress. 
in an entire, a totally pointless, a very funny, I think it's very funny and wit- witty scene, but totally pointless to the plot, right? She gets in the limo, she's driving around with this woman. I mean, I love the thing where she's like, all things will soon be mine. And she's like, I guess they will. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, People I, going to college are very. <laughs> so the reason why I thought that was played by the same actress is because I thought there was no other purpose for that scene. And I thought, <laughs> and, the, and they also set them so clearly on two sides yeah. of the car that I thought that they were doing this thing because otherwise i was like I, why does she even need to be here but other i just thought, oh this is clever and they're showing that's letting this actress show her range but i'm sorry <laughs> no, i'm she's, sorry to these two actresses fiona's a big fiona walker's a big actress she's she was in i claudius which as i mentioned in our episode mike and i are watching right now my husband and i are watching right now it's a great story a series um anton differing uh plays the nazi uh he was sort of a very famous German character actor, uh, and, and basically good, played a lot of Nazis. Yeah, he's very good. Um, this was, I think, his last role or his last Nazi role. He played a lot of Nazis, um, which makes sense. Um, it's uh, the Cybermen are terrible. I mean, the, the Cybermen are just. They're, they're just not needed. It's just yeah. Well, they're silver, so they're important for to get that silver yeah. part in there. But they also there's totally ineffectual like i mean you know people wave a gold arrow at them and they're like oh it's like oh yes they're really invincible monsters um it's a witty script i i do think the script is kind of witty in sort of a dad joke way like i love when they're playing the jazz and the cybermen are like it's meaningless and then uh, they, they use the to, to jam their signal to the cyber fleet they play the tape of the jazz band courtney pine i think was a well-known jazz musician. um and yes um they're just listening to it and then he's like we have to go and the doctor says Ah, oh, yes, I do love a jam session. Uh, yeah, very dad's right. I love it. Um, uh, but yeah, it's 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 complex. So, all right, so here's my relationship with this story. All right, folks, Proverbs, gather close, gather close around your 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 radio tubes. Um, so I first I I read this story first. So I read the novelization of this story first. Uh, and it was very exciting when you read it and don't see it because you don't get any of the production values and stuff. Um, then I saw, uh, I bought it on video and they had released a special VHS, this is VHS back in the day, VHS, a special edition extended cut where they, uh, it was much longer. Um, and it was still three right. episodes, but they added a whole bunch of footage they had to cut for time. Uh, and it made a lot more sense. So between the book and the extended cut, it made a lot more sense. Uh, and, and, and had some really interesting, uh, elements to it and stuff like that. Um, watching it, I, when I rewatched this, I rewatched just a short version because I was trying to get the experience of what a mere mortal like yourself would watch. Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, ah, oh, man, it, it rushes along. And the stuff they left in was like the thing with the skinheads on the street is, I mean, it's pointless. It's just like, well, it's supposed to show that how, I guess, resourceful they are. Uh, But it's utterly pointless. Although I will say the greatest moment of this entire story to me is Richard and Lady Painfort are in the 1600s. They drink the time travel potion, which is never really explained how they just drink a potion and travel in time. Oh, yeah. um, I was like, oh, she figured out a little yeah, time she's travel. She's got a lot of stuff. <laughs> they then travel forward in time, screaming at the top of their lungs, and land in the middle of a cafe in the middle of of, of, of uh, Windsor. Uh, and there's people, like, eating dinner with them. And then they're, like, screaming and disappeared out of nowhere. And then everybody eating around was just looking at them kind of like, 
Oh. Well, everyone is just and sort of like, like do you mind? Would you please? <laughs> we, ordered, we booked this table. I mean, it's it's like the uh, Lazarus experiment. It's the same reaction. It's sort of like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe Tish was, was doing well, a publicity. Look, <laughs> maybe we've talked before about, uh, especially in the news series, how it's like, well, wait, so many of these things have happened where clearly humans saw crazy things, time travel aliens, but... Then they'll make a point of like, now I think people really know that aliens exist. It's like, or the 20 <laughs> other times, but maybe the Doctor Who sort of ethos is like, yeah, humans just are people willing just to well, but then, gloss over so all that, of it. So they, they appear in the cafe screaming. Then they stay for a couple of scenes and everyone else is just like, is there potato salad with these cheeseburgers? <laughs> <laughs> and then they see the police go by and they're like, oh, the, the rogues will have the nemesis. And she throws a chair through the window. They leave the restaurant, which I assume again people are like, "Excuse me, could we not be seated seated near the chair woman?" She she just threw a chair through the window. Well, this is uh, it's white privilege, John. It's white <laughs> privilege. <laughs> this is Doctor Who. <laughs> All right, themes, 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 themes coming at you. Themes coming at you. Themes, themes. Themes. Little theme scatting as sort of a. It was good because it was clear that you forgot at the beginning that you were supposed to sing. You turned that into a song. That was that was amazing. It was a jam session. It was a jazz sort of a thing here. And we got we got to move along because we're we're run long here. So we are adhering to the came to hear about Blink. So I know I know we're adhering to the repeating themes here on No Not the Mind Probe, and so we want to talk about some stuff that happens in Doctor Who and in the world throughout stories. And we want to talk about time travel stories, uh, I think, this time around. Now, the, we, we let's mainly talk about Blink because the Silver Nemesis, there is time travel. It's not really a big part of it. Blink plays a lot with how time travel could really affect, uh, you know, the story itself is very not. We're seeing it happen linearly, but everything that happens of consequence to Sally Sparrow is completely nonlinear in time. So it's really interesting. But does it bother you? I mean, so, so it's interesting, right? Like, what is our what is our tolerance um, for cause and effect? Right. Like, I mean, so, you know, you could argue that, well, Blink doesn't make any sense because, um, you know, she only gave him the thing because he was back in time right. to give her the to, to see the thing and make her go through the whole experience and why didn't he just write on the wall under the wallpaper hey here's what's going to happen to you in like small print <laughs> in a very boring episode but it's just sort of like what it does uh I, I i it's interesting right time travel is and and we're going to see this this is really going to come out in some Stephen moffat stories um especially even in his first season i think where it's just kind of like Oh, you know, things just happen because he goes back in time and makes them happen. Like they, they even really start to rip that wall down of like, okay, yeah, something happened in the past that affects the future. And maybe that, but that's that one time, but like, it'll be like people just pop back in time to like give somebody something and be like, you need this. And then, then go back to the present. And then like, there it is waiting in the present. Like, does that ruin these story like i mean that's you yeah. should be happening all the time right <laughs> well so i think this story will serve as a good a benchmark of uh he has a good mix uh well there's a couple things going on he has a good mix of things that are like feasibly interesting with time travel and maybe you could explain away mixed with it's just fun 
It, there's this is a fun plot device and it's done in a cool way not in like it doesn't feel like a cheating way it's like oh this is an important part of the story and so the parts that you really have to work to rationalize away you just you're okay you just ah, that's fine that's just it's a story it's just a story you know don't get into it i think we're and and so this would be a good one to note because there are other stories um in the world that are very, very slavish to the ideas of time travel and how they could work. And um, a lot of them are quite boring and, and like quite like very difficult because like, for example, um, the way in which they forgetting about the part where she has to hand him the transcript of the conversation. Let's set that aside. Um, but just the whole idea of saying I got of how she would have had the, how the notes would exist at all, which is that he took notes uh, her her uh, fiance or future fiance took notes of the conversation that were then given to the doctor, but he can't record his side without those notes, and the notes don't exist without his recorded side. But you could rationalize away from it by saying, like, you could get into like time loops and stuff like that, and you could say, like, well, maybe he said one thing, she said one thing, it was transcripted, we went through a whole life with that he got that again, added another line and kind of kept iterating on that until he got the whole conversation enough. You, you could make that, but that would be like incredibly multi, boring to, to show like that. a multiverse, right? Maybe, maybe that's the thing I get, right? Things went normally. Oh no, but then that's, oh yeah. It, it, because in time travel stories, that's yeah. what I'm saying. In time travel stories where we really um, give over to it, uh, then it's, if you can time travel, then it's fees- It's totally feasible to live in a, in a loop of time for, a thousand years in order to advance something one second and in fact that's how a lot of like like marvel cosmic time travel stories will be like huge lengths are are gone to in order to change one thing just slightly like it's actually hard to change you know what the major events so you go through these huge events just to like nudge things slightly this way and then like that changes everything um, but you can't show all that and then i think if you get too bogged down in it and not you know what i think Stephen Moffat does well here is he's really focusing on the people and the characters and what's important to them. And that wouldn't have been important to her in the moment. Um, well, but so, and, I, and I, I'm sorry, let me say one last thing is that the other thing is that, so I think this is a better use of it. And I think this is the way to do it. That said, I'm fascinated by like the paradoxes and stuff of time travel. So a super boring story about all the intricacies of how you'd have to handle it would be interesting to me, but I don't actually think it would be that interesting uh, to to most people. So I think this is how you have to do it. You have to gloss over and make it a little like neater just yeah. to make it a compelling story. Well, yeah, I mean, it's well, so we could we could talk about Christopher Nolan here for several days. Yes, probably. yes. Uh, he likes that. Have you seen Tenet yet? Uh, I haven't seen Tenet, no. It's, just, it's a time travel story, but interestingly, not quite this. He just changed direction of time, which I think it makes sense if you watch it five or six times. But it's yeah. 14 hours long. Not gonna uh, do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but what's interesting is uh, I I have uh, Probers, I've attempted to read some books about physics. Um, not successfully. Uh, <laughs> you, you just have to throw them across the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, um, there are things that apparently we have observed in physics actually seen where uh effect precedes cause or like it is it's hard it's something like photons going through like different things and they're just like yes sometimes you can you can see the cause see the effect before the cause or something it's we we can 
um, it is like it's one of those things sort of like maybe, maybe we just can't grasp. And this is what I think Tenet does kind of interestingly. The movie is, is also similarly. It's like they're like, oh, yes, well, these things are moving backwards. So the effect is happening before the cause. So you need to think that it's ha- it's very complicated. I'm still working through. Basically, the great thing about Tenet was we watched it the night of the election. And it was a great way to not think about the election for three hours because you could <laughs> not think about anything else. You were trying to work out what the hell was happening in this movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, so cause effect, like, uh, but it's interesting. Like, um, and this is, this is the thing Dr. Who has every once in a while touched on and realized, Oh, oh we shouldn't talk about that, which is sort of like, there's one point uh, in a third doctor story day of the Daleks where um, Joe asked the third doctor, she's like, well, why don't we just go back? If we got it wrong, why don't we just go back and fix it like five minutes before? Right. And then he's like, uh, that's because of the Blinovich limitation effect. And then they're interrupted. <laughs> it's basically like, <laughs> right, right. I think the writers were just like, oh, if we could do that, it would just pretty much ruin every story right. we'd ever written. <laughs> so they're, they're, But it is, it is the sort of, once you start playing with time travel, it is the magic wand that can fix everything. But the other thing is, it is, mind-boggling for us right it's hard for it so you, you have to wonder like you can create really interesting stories but you do run this risk of alienating your audience who are going to be like wait a second i don't know does that make sense i don't so you, either people are going to accept it and be like okay sure that's happening or they're going to be like wait no what no and then they're just going to be you know totally distracted by it uh and yeah I mean, it's because- an interesting challenge I think too. Well, you mentioned like a, just treating it more of like a multiverse thing, which is basically like, well, if you are able to time travel, um, there don't need to be any rules and paradoxes or stuff like that because essentially you are now in a different whole right. set of creation. Like whatever you do will certainly change things, yeah. but um, you know that's it. But then the problem with that is the implication that you could then go back to wherever you were. Or then obviously like, well, then how many of these universes are there infinite at that point? And how would you go back to a particular one? And 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 obviously in Doctor Who, they, they do mention different universes as well, too. Um, so I don't know. It's it's all it's all very mind boggling. Of course, you're talking about like the time travel or or, or time smudging <laughs> that we've seen uh, having to do with like, you know, per- particulate things of like quarks going one way or another. I mean, here we're seeing this like macro time travel where it's like just this little area of space is transported back, you know, including these people in it. Um, You know, I think that's all made up like (laughs) that doesn't exist and probably never will in that way. (laughs) So I think you have to use it in you just have to set rules and and, and like that. And maybe that isn't something the doctor always does very well. But like in Marvel things and stuff like that, it's just to find it's like. Well, here's how this works, and here's how it doesn't. And like you know, or or in DC Comics, they they do have lots of multiverses, and that's how they sort of get around saying like, "Hey, why is you know?" Occasionally, they just like kill everyone or have, "Hey, Superman is this <laughs> other person now," and they say, "Well, it's a multiverse. Yeah. We're in the other." Not everybody. Now. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know who could settle this? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, you're in the Marvel <laughs> universe. If you could just uh, you know call in. Call them and email us. Email us. It's and let sort us know. of, you know what? Probers, we'll let you in on a little secret. He hasn't emailed us, and it's <laughs> becoming a little embarrassing for him. Yeah, like, I mean, I feel like now yeah. he's gonna. Now, if he waits much longer, he's gonna have feel really awkward apologizing about it. So <laughs> it's kind of like do it now and save yourself the embarrassment. That's right.
All right. It is time to rank these episodes, Ooh, John. This is big. I'm excited. because I think Probers are excited because everybody's been waiting for you to, to see Blink. I mean, the people... Clamoring. I didn't realize this was there was such a movement uh, for wanting me to see this episode. <laughs> well, look, this there's 295. Really, I actually only ever wanted you to watch Blink, and I've just been now we've oh. 30 episodes. <laughs> we're finally here. I wasn't even planning on doing one next week. I am like, like ah, whatever. And so I you made me it. watch like about 80 hours of television. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta earn this. <laughs> you can't just, oh, just wander into Blink. Well, look, there are 295 Doctor Who stories. We've ranked 58 of them. So uh, this will be our our 60th. Uh, this is our, uh, it's not silver. So our our, thir- our 60th episodes are our 30th, our 30th episode, our 60th story. What What is that? That's the, mm, how do you like, celebrate that? With um, garbage? Um, it's like it's silver with an emerald in it. I don't know. It's silver. It's past 25. So it's silver. Okay. Silver so, plated. So I'll, I'll go first. Um, so yeah, let's start with Blink. I had a tough time. I, mm. I really, I really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, but in terms really? of fitting it into the ranking, uh, you know, I kind of looked around near the top. I think it did. It does. <laughs> at some point, I'm gonna have to actually decide how I'm ranking these. I'm like, so is this <laughs> ranking based on how I want to rewatch them? Which ones I would show to other people of of like, hey, this is a good one to to start with. Um, and then how does it fit into the context of like? just things that you've learned and really like good moments with the characters that you really love. And actually in talking through that now, those are three, those are three, those are the three things <laughs> I kind of consider. So mm. with this one, very high on, would you show this to someone as like a good example of Dr. Who? So right. like, yeah, this is a great one. First of all, it's completely self-contained. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, uh, that's good for showing to someone new and yeah, it's a great episode, great acting, uh, fun to watch. So that's, it's high on that. Um, definitely i think it's rewatchable i w- i would watch this again yeah. um it bears rewatching but of course it 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 doesn't have the doctor it doesn't have martha really at all no. and then doesn't have the doctor so it's like it's not really one of those where i'm like oh i but and yet it does have like the like i said the doctor is involved because time travel is such a big part of it and he is the part of that time travel anyway so uh, I, ended up I don't know it, where you're going to go. It could be anywhere from after the edge of destruction at this point to number one. <laughs> I'm I'm excited no, to see where no, this no, lands. No, 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 very very high at the top. It was more trying to figure out where in the top I would put it. So I ended up, um, I I kind of went with the rewatchable mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. um, and I put it. I did put it just below Tooth and Claw. So Ooh. I put it number five. Oh, so very I put it pretty nice. high. Okay. Um, I have another. So interestingly, looking at my other ones uh the shakespeare code is my number one i think that's a very rewatchable one it's also one i'd show other people and it has fun things about the characters it really just hit everything for me um inferno is my next one which is a classic one Mm -hmm. i don't know that i'd send i don't know that i'd send anyone to any classic episode in particular i have to think about that but i think like it's hard to sell anyone spend seven hours here's seven episodes right here's three and a half hours (laughs) (laughs) totally rewatchable and tons of great moments with the doctor um and companions and everybody my third, which you don't even like as much, is the Rise of Cybermen, Age of Steel, the kind of the multiverse, actually, when we were talking about. Ooh. Maybe I'd send people to watch it, but there were just so many moments I loved about like Rose and Mickey and the Doctor and that. I just really enjoyed it and and stuff like that. Anyway, so Blink in falls in there, I think, because the rewatchability is so high and uh, the it is something that you could just show to anyone. I feel like 
I feel like you guys would have gotten done watching that in 2007 and be like, yes, I could make anyone watch that. <laughs> Anybody could watch that. They, they have to admit that's good. Like yeah, that, right. You know, we won. So, um, we got one. We got one. <laughs> we got one. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the Silver Nemesis. Yeah. A bit lower. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. honestly, I could have put this. Top 10. Yeah. I was, it was a similar state of affairs, but at the bottom end of the list where I was like, where do I put this? Like, I didn't enjoy it that much. I love Ace. I actually like the Seventh Doctor. Like, mm-hmm. I like him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, It's funny when you were talking about how the episode came together and then we were talking about the other actors. Like, yeah, all the actors are good, too. Like, I, I liked so much of it. I really don't like the music in this period. Yeah. Very um, 80s synth. But then, like you said, the plot just it just never gets anywhere. And then this revelation was there. So I ended up going down at the end. Um, Weirdly, it fell right in some areas where I have my other seven doctor stories, which are Delta and the Bannerman and the Curse of Fenric. Um, I weirdly put it above those two. And I don't know. I just couldn't. I I was looking around the other ones in that area. I felt like this ended up being like an okay story. Um, but I'm still putting it, you know, ranked 40 out of 60. So it's, it's, it's low, but I enjoyed it. I feel like I might watch it again. I liked, again, I liked all the actors. I liked the sorceress. Um, I didn't think the Nazi subplot was needed, but they were, they were all, it was good. Like it was, it was enjoyable to watch. And I really like Ace. I, I like Ace Nazis. a lot in this one. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So number five and number 40. Number <laughs> so this is a big five. difference. One. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're in agreement. Uh, I've okay. got Blink at number five as well. Hey, look at uh, that. Yeah, I um, Blink is great. It's a it is an all out bona fide classic. Absolutely, um, it does not. A lot of people rank it as one of the best ever. Um, it doesn't quite get there for me because it doesn't have the doctor in it, as you sort of say. It's like, yeah. and and this is the struggle with Blink. It's like. You know, a lot of people are like, what's what's the great episode to watch as like an intro to Doctor Who? And you're just like, well, Blink is one of the best ever. Um, but the Doctor's not in it. So it's kind of like it's a, sort of a terrible first episode to watch. Yeah, um, that's true. And I and I think I could see it if you were going to give someone like four or five yeah. to watch and say, like, oh, this could be one of them. You know? Yeah. But no, but but I think I think what part of that is and, and part of it. And I love it. I am I, not criticizing the episode at all. But it also it could just be an episode of the Twilight Zone, right? Like you, or you could it could be a totally self-contained episode. You would take about you know two or three lines to somehow explain that the Doctor's a time traveler and that he's trying to manipulate. Like you, you wouldn't need to spend a ton of effort to just make it a generic sci-fi story, um, which is fine. Um, but you know, again, it's not sort of quintessentially Doctor Who. Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, obviously. Again, if there were an episode of Benson like this, that would be unusual, right? You can't tell in every show. Again, going back to our Benson podcast. But like, well, yeah, it's funny it you say be that because, and speaking of parallel worlds, it almost felt to me that it's like in another world, they could have rebooted Doctor Who and made it an anthology series like this. And if a couple of the early episodes had been as good as this, it would have been like, oh, wow, I guess Doctor Who... In the in the new version is more like this. It's more like the Twilight Zone it was like, yes, the Doctor will be there and recurring, but it's really about these other things. And it's just, it was just interesting. It was like it felt like another TV series, but one that's like, well, this could be a good TV series. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and, and it does again. I think um, you know, it, it it ends up being compared to Love and Monsters because it is a Doctor Light episode. But I I love it's something I liked about the Love and Monsters that's kind of buried in the rest of 
all the stuff going around that story. But like, I love the idea of like seeing a story from the perspective of another character, right? It's like, now we're looking at it from Sally Sparrow. This is, she's in a Doctor Who adventure, but we're seeing it entirely from her perspective. Um, and you could, you could imagine them writing Blink from uh, the doctor's perspective and we would be back in 1969 and there would be, you know, period costumes and he'd be trying to manipulate events or whatever. And Sally Sparrow would be like a side character or a bit character. Um, but you know, here it's like, okay, let's, and then, and, and I think this is driven home by the clip uh, at the end that I, that I, I had for here that uh, earlier um, of like, yeah, how funny would it be to run into the doctor? And he's like, oh, he's got, he's got the, I mean, in that clip, he's got the bow and arrows and they're like going off to like <laughs> shoot the lizard thing. And you're just like, yeah, that's what it would look like to someone. Um, so yeah, so I think it's a brilliant episode, but yeah, it's a, it comes in number five under Inferno. Uh, uh, to me, it is a, a second only to The Empty Child, The Doctor Dances, another Stephen Moffat tale in terms of a uh, new series. Um, Silver Nemesis definitely comes down the list for me. It's in sort of that 80s, uh, Doctor Who thing. I've got it down um, at number 43. Uh, uh, it's down, it's just behind, um, uh, no, no, sorry, 40, 44. 44. Sorry, yeah, sorry, it's behind, uh, just behind Modern Undead, um, which I think has a slightly a plot, believe it or not, somehow the plot is more coherent. <laughs> um, uh, it is, I, again, I think um, I'm, I'm handicapping a little bit because I think, uh, I think the plot is interesting if you've read the book and seen the extended VHS edition, which pr- should probably not be the standard, like you've had a, t- a lot of time to think about it. it yeah. It's an interesting idea and bringing these really interesting disparate plot elements together, the Nazis, the lady from the past, the Cybermen and, and this Gallifreyan weapon. Um, that's it, it. The seeds of a really interesting plot are there. Um, and they just, I don't think they had time and budget to make it, quite gel together uh it could have used a couple rewrites or something like that so uh it's rewatchable um in the sense it's got the cyberman it's an interesting story it probably has a few more layers if you if you watch it three or four more times um but uh yeah it just first blush it's not it's not fantastic so yeah down in that sort of 80s that 80s block warriors modern silver nemesis so if you if you wanted to you know slap on some some pleather pants uh mm-hmm. and and you know blow out your hair uh, yeah. and just have a, an eighties weekend. I would, I would put that in there. So, uh, plugging in the old supercomputer here <laughs> and because we both agreed yeah, on it crazy. so highly, it actually goes higher than either of the two of us oh. ranked it, uh, which is it's tied for number two. So now we have a three-way tie for number two right now, wow. which is Inferno is, is our number one, which is, I think is interesting. And then, uh, the, our tie for number two is the Aztecs, Blink, and Tooth and Claw are all tied. Mm. That'd be a good weekend of Doctor Who right there. That would be a good weekend of Doctor Who. Yeah. And then we have uh, Silver Nemesis uh, cl- lock, clocking in at number 43. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. So still Inferno still reigning supreme there, John. Uh, and, you know, if people want to go see these rankings, they can go to mindprobe.show. They can see the rankings. They can see notes from old episodes. They can also see uh, our our watch order so if you want to watch ahead and i believe i did update it to put the entire order in there i believe you uh, did yeah folks if i'm missing any episodes because i almost forgot blink um as we as folks who have been paying attention noticed um uh but yes yeah, so we're missing any episodes please email us um try to but like put like an urgent like a little red exclamation point to so it doesn't get lost in the just general emails that we're receiving 
That's uh, right. And so we we have email addresses now. So you can yeah. email us at john at mindprobe.show yep, or right porter now. at mindprobe.show. Let me, let me, I'm going to pull up the old mailbox here. Chris Pratt has Let's not emailed. He's been <clears> emailing me. Mailbox, mindprobe. I have uh, an email from John mm. that says, uh, Chris Pratt is hunting me down shirtless. Mm. Um, probably because it's hot out. Yeah, probably. That's probably yeah. why. Yeah. yeah, that's probably why. But you can so you can not only watch along with us, you can get way ahead of us. You can film. You can record your own podcast. Really, at this point. Well, maybe we should take this, this down because yeah, this is <laughs> yeah, this, this is, is it. This is the us. secret sauce right here. The pairings are what people are coming for. But uh, please do that. You can also subscribe to the show. We'd love it if you did that uh, on on your iTunes, mm-hmm. on your your Google Play, on your Spotify's, all these various systems, and give us a review if you can. Mm. Um, John, what do we have in store for next episode? Well, you know what? I'm going to consult the watch order schedule here. Oh wow, look at that! It's all there. Just read your damn self. What are you listening to this podcast? Um, oh, sorry. Uh, yes, just continue listening so you can rate. Um, all right, we are we are rolling into the season finale, the season three finale, yeah. which is sort of a. Um, this is this was a surprise beginning of the end. Like, so a lot of people did not realize Utopia. Utopia was kind of an under the radar episode. Uh, and did not realize it was going to be quite as big as it turned out to be. So yes, we have yep. Utopia. Um, the, uh, with David Tennant, Martha and, uh, uh 10th doctor, Martha Jones. Um, and, uh, an and some surprise from, guests. Yeah. An appearance from Derek Jacoby, who's a big deal, uh, actor, um, to be joined Doctor who, uh, and we have paired that with uh, the fourth Doctor uh, Adric episode, "The Keeper of Trocken. Um And we're going to be—you'll uh, uh, probers who are familiar with Doctor Who will totally get the link. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yes, the, Keeper the, of Trocken coming up, coming to you, coming down the pike, the Keeper of Trocken. Adric, of course, tragically killed in an earlier episode yeah. <laughs> that we watched, but he's back. Yeah, he's time back. travel is confusing. Is confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. I it is. Um, have you considered the fact that by you know we're watching the new series in order, but then you're just you're contributing to sort of the ADHD uh, of this world by making me watch these in this order. Yeah. Just sort of destroying my brain, really. Uh, yeah, and and I realized just as I was going through this list of of watch orders, it, it is it's getting it's going to get messy. Um, you know, I, I talked about how uh, we've got we just watched Modern Undead um, and uh, the Brigadier returning, and I was like, oh, it's very rare that he returns, but actually, in just two episodes in Battlefield, he comes back again. <laughs> uh, so, and and you haven't even actually seen that much Brigadier from the early days. So yeah, it's. Um, it's a bit of a mess yeah yeah i've really well a, sort of uh, abstract doctor who viewing <laughs> i love it i love it all right guys uh, thank you so much for listening uh, and as always here is to the future mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.